You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You know what that sound means. That means you have your opportunity to call into the show to talk about absolutely anything you want to talk about. You know, you know, since our faith touches everything in our lives, or it ought to, anything is fair game. And you can call 877-795-0122 and see who the courageous soul is who first submits a question. Or you can do it via Facebook, and you don't have to be on the air. You can just submit the question via Facebook. You can be anonymous. You don't have to leave your name. You don't have to give your name. Whatever. And so this is your chance to call in and ask a question. You know, a lot of people, often I think a lot of people will say during the weeks, oh, I wish I could talk to Father about this. Or, I, you know, something came up in your life and it's like, oh, I wish I could talk to a priest about this. But a priest is not readily available. And so uh, this is your opportunity to be very anonymous about it and, and uh, um, uh, submit any type of question about anything that's going on in the world. That's 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. There's a lot of things going on in the world today that you might want to get the faith perspective of of it, and or at least from the Catholic faith perspective of it. This is your opportunity through a Facebook or eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Father Joel, is a good uh, interview. Oh my gosh, this was amazing. I like how we did that right before because it prepares me. For what's coming, and I love it. Like with it. Lent, yeah, uh, and it you gives know, you more Lent, information you didn't have. Ash Wednesday's on Wednesday this year. Oh, as really? To, like, in the past, you know, Wednesday. I know. I know. <laughs> that was meant to be a joke, Cindy. I know. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. You know, there's a lot of craziness going on in, uh, in our country in a particular way, and so how do we view some of this craziness that's going on? I mean, we've been living in crazy times for a while, but I feel like we've upped the notch a little bit lately. How do we how do we view things in the world from a faith perspective, Facebook or the phone? Let's see who's courageous. So do priests give questions. up something for Lent? Do priests? I suppose priests do. Did you give up something last year? I'm not going to tell you. Why? The one thing. This is the way I the way I look at it. It's done. It's over with. You can say. It. Oh, Lent is not, not even, hasn't even started yet. No, I'm talking about from last year. Oh, oh, I, I see it. So yeah, priests are like anybody else. They want to, you know, they want to get into the season. But I will say that Lent, by its very nature, is already good for priests as far as like doing something extra or giving something up because the busiest time of the year is not Christmas. It's not no. any. It's Lent, mm-hmm. Lent and Holy Week, and so it's like I feel like, you know, it's like I get hit by a Mack truck on Ash Wednesday. And that truck does not go by until Easter Monday. Well, the sisters were just here and we were talking about that. Because I said, oh, it's going to slow down for Lent. No, no, it's not. Uh, nothing slows <laughs> It's more down. of I a mean, joke because it's like, it should. But for the people that are, no, I mean, especially the people in the church. I mean, Father, Father Joel Hastings, who is our last guest, he knows very well that I've always half-jokingly said, I've always said, oh, my favorite day of the year is Easter Monday. Because it's as far as away as you can get from Easter Sunday and everything that leads up to it. That's half jokingly. Of course, on the on the faith side of things, it's obviously it's very beautiful, lots of rich traditions. But just workload and the level of all aspects of life of a priest changes so much during Lent. All right, we've already got a question, and this is from Facebook. 
You have your glasses on, Cindy. I Do you can't want me to? I'll read it. Oh, okay. Sorry. I oh, go tomorrow right. to get my eyes so checked is, again. This is from Phil. Why does it seem that there is an inordinate emphasis on Christmas and Lent rather than on Easter and the resurrection? Isn't the resurrection the culmination of all the events that came before it? That's good. It, it, it seems like, um, it seems like, uh, I don't, well, I don't know if I totally agree with Phil. Why does it, why does it seem like there's an inordinate emphasis on Christmas? And on, Christmas, obviously, that's cultural. Okay, so it's like, I mean, Christmas was nothing compared to Easter in the liturgical celebration of the church in the early church. Christmas became very huge secular-wise. And so, you know, the church, of course, it's huge. It still is important. But um, uh, the church focuses on it, and we think of the cultural side of it. But as far as, like, um, Lent... You know, Lent is preparing us. I agree to a, to some degree. It's like, and I and I kind of talked about this with Father Hastings. It's like, you know, Lent is not meant to be a time of temporary improvement, and so we continue this on. But you know, Easter is the celebration, and so people don't people often think of it like a like a wedding. You know, if you're preparing for a wedding, it's work. You know, but when the wedding comes, it's a big, huge celebration. There's not preparation for the celebration once the celebration is going on. You know, it's going on. And so when we think of preparation to get ready for this great celebration, that's where we focus on the whole Lenten thing. But Lent should never, ever take away from Easter. The whole point of Lent is to get us ready for Easter. And what I always say to people is that the more you put into Lent, the more you're going to get out of Easter. And I always, on Ash Wednesday, I always say, don't let, don't let this be the only extra thing you do spiritually all Lent. Because a lot of people, that's all they do is, well, it's the only extra thing they do spiritually. And so we have to keep things in perspective. Lent is important, but it is only there to get us ready for that great celebration of Easter. Well, we have a lot of questions coming in. It's like we have Thank a listener you. on, oh, not on the phone. Bruce. Bruce, Bruce is calling from Duluth. Can you read oh, that? Oh, he's not on the phone. Um, I did read it while it was in white. So does the church still use excommunication? And if so, would President Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Governor Andrew Cuomo not qualify? Not qualify. Um, well, I'm glad that's a, we that's get a to, good one. Yeah, we get to these hot button questions. And so, you know, yeah. excommunication is, you know, we often think of it as, well, it's the thing that the Pope does. But actually, bishops bishops are usually the first line of excommunication. And so uh, to basically, to excommunicate means that they are no longer um, able to take part of the sacraments. And, and, and it still happens. And often it'll, it'll happen, you know, from theologians saying things that are crazy uh, very publicly or um, on rarer occasions, uh, politicians like what you're talking about, with, uh, you know, Biden, Pelosi and Governor Cuomo, who all claim to be Catholic. But what they are doing is uh, abhorrent to Catholicism, in, especially when we talk about the life issues. But there's other issues as well. And so it's going to be up to the bishop of their local diocese to make that decision, not the Pope, but the Bishop. And the, then the question comes, what's the greater good? Where, you know, will excommunicate, let's say, let's, let's take the top dog here. Would excommunicate, would the Bishop of Washington, D.C. serve the church better and the people better by excommunicating the Bishop? I would say, not the Bishop, but the pre- President, I would say no, because the blowback societally would be huge. And from the media attention would be huge, uh, and that would go with any one of them. But the president would be the most clear example of it. Does their behavior deserve excommunication? I'm not a bishop, but I would say yes, it does deserve it. It deserves excommunication. But you have to question where would be the greater good 
for the flock, for the faithful in this. And some people would argue it's like, well, it would be for the greater good. Because then you see that they're standing up for the truth. But you can stand up for the truth and be very clear in your teaching and your articulation of it without going to that drastic measure of excommunication. So, you know, like the is it Bishop Corleone, Archbishop uh, in uh, San Francisco, I think, he's been super outspoken about Nancy Pelosi. And so really big. We haven't been hearing that from uh, um, uh, Wilton Gregory in Washington, D.C. Unfortunately, I think we should. I think these bishops have to get a little bit more courageous about stuff like this. But some are. And uh, so you can you can be very clear to your faithful and even in the public forum without going to the extreme measure of excommunication. But that doesn't mean that they don't deserve it because there is some deserving of that. I agree with you on that because I think you can't let any sheep stray. You're supposed to keep them. You're supposed to. Exactly. In- right, right. You want to keep them in. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we do it. We do have a caller in, Dave. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Hi, Father. I've had uh, some people ask me, mainly our older parishioners, if it's safe to come back to church again. And uh, some of them have come and then see individuals not wearing masks, so they see people wear their masks as they come through the parking lot and up onto the stairs of the church, and then take them off when they sit down. Mm-hmm. How can we convince everybody to work together a little bit so that we can? You know, get everybody back together once more. Yeah. You know, thanks, Dave, for the question. There's a lot of uh, um, a politicization of the whole mask thing, and we see that all over the country. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are people that, you know, I mean, I, and I don't want to walk, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm going to address more of the question about the politicization of the masks. The the thing about masks, and I've talked about this to my own family members, is that, um, uh, uh the mass, for the most part, you're not facing anybody. There's no sign of peace. Your back is to everybody. The only time where you would have really interaction with people in mass is when you're going in mass or when you're leaving mass. And so, uh, you know, I can understand where the mask thing is going into mass and out of mass, but you're not facing anybody uh, and you're not talking to anybody in mass. And so mass is much more of a safe thing than like going to the grocery store. And, that, you know, we also know that there are certain um, uh, people, I know of a number of people in my own parish who, on doctor's orders, shouldn't be wearing a mask. And so we have to be careful not to judge people for not wearing masks because there are definitely some people that have medical issues that they are not supposed to for their own respiratory issues. And so I'm not going to say, well, you got to do that, you know, if their own doctor said for their own health that they shouldn't. And so I think, you know, I would say in my in my church, my two parishes, Overall, I'd say that we are at about 75 to 80% of people back to Mass. And so that's a pretty high number. And I, uh, maybe, I might, it may be, maybe it might be 70 or 65%, but we're, we're pretty high numbers of people going back to, to Mass. And I'd challenge people to say, you know, you go to get your groceries. You know, you go to, you know, you go to other places where there's a lot of people where you're facing people. Don't, don't be, I think too many people, and this is not everybody, but I think a lot of people are using covid as an excuse not to come to mass and i have to say i'm looking at that in my own family i got family that are perfectly healthy that go do a whole bunch of other things but you know what i'm not going to go to mass because i don't have to i would just be careful to not have people become minimalists when it comes to mass going to receive the eucharist and going to mass is the single most important thing you're going to do all week long from a faith perspective there's nothing that's going to be more important in your life in a faith Catholic perspective than going to receive the Eucharist. And so you need to be working on the idea of coming to Mass and not be afraid. And so 
I think too many people are saying, well, I, I see two people without wearing a mask. I'm not going to go to mass now. I think that's kind of a little bit of a cop-out, especially considering mass is pretty, not a lot of interaction going on with mass. I now, don't think if, we've had any spreads, have we? As far as I know, and that's a good question, as far as I know, there's not been any spread that has gone back, at least from my community, back to mass attendance. That's pretty impressive. That is that is impressive. But it goes back to that idea. It's like you're not facing anybody. You know, it's only when you it's only when you are um, uh, uh, leaving, and and you can be very smart about that. You know, when you're leaving mass or when you're when you're uh, coming into mass, and so and you're social distanced. And, and right, and so I would, I would really encourage people to um, uh, to look at mass as being pretty significant, and and not use it as a as an example as a, as an excuse not to go to mass. Because I think a lot of people are doing it, and like I said, I see it in my own family that I've challenged them on. Anyhow, excellent question. Thanks, Dave, for asking that question. Eight seven seven. Oh, you're still on. Okay, thanks, Dave. Eight seven 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 nine five. 0122. That's 877-795-0122 or on our Facebook page. We've had some uh, good questions right away. And so um, uh, let's keep those coming. I love those questions. Dave's question was excellent. And I think I know Dave. Uh, and it's, it's obviously something that's facing every parish. Every parish is dealing with this. Every pastor has been addressed on either way. Every priest that I know of have people saying, I don't want to wear masks. And I, I, they better wear masks. You know, it's like, we are being we are being pulled on all sides, you know. And I've always said I don't want to be more strict than what the state is. I'm doing what the state says. I'm not going to sit there with a with a, a stick, you know, as people come in and put on your mask. I'm not going to do that. They don't do that at the grocery store. So we'll right. do what the state does, and uh, people have to, in the end, make that own decision. And in a lot of cases, there are people that have medical issues, and be careful about that. We have to be careful not to say, well, what that people those people should be wearing masks because you don't know their situation. So it's just become such a messy thing, you know. It has. I hope it ends soon. <laughs> yeah, well, we are all <laughs> Prayers hoping for that it ending ends soon. soon. Yeah. So anyhow, 877-795-0122 or on our Facebook page. We've had three questions so far. That, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a banner uh, of a segment for us uh, uh, so far, anyhow. Looks like we have somebody else that's going to be on the line here shortly. We're just getting her ready. But you can call 877 795 or on our Facebook page. There's no doubt that everything COVID has become political. Everything COVID has become political. And, and I have to admit, you know, I mean, I get sucked into that as well. It's it's just such a, it's like everything in life is political these days, but that's really become some. All right, so we do have Paulette. Paulette from Two Harbors, Minnesota, just up the road. Welcome to Real Presence Live, Paulette. Good morning. What's your question? My question is, the uh, holy water that is blessed at in the holy saturday ceremony when the uh blessed candle is you know the paschal candle is lowered down into the water mm-hmm. is is that water also exercised during that time you know at that time is exercise salt actually put into the water because i believe when you to exercise holy water you have to put exercise salt into it so i was wondering if that water is also exercised in the in the rite as we have it today, salt is not used. The the you know the rite that's most being used today is not being used for the blessing of the holy water on Easter Sunday. But that uh, that holy water is quite significant because it's the blessed water. Um, you know, with the Easter candle, the Easter candle is actually dipped down into the font three times, yeah. and that's actually meant to represent life, new life coming in. Mm-hmm. And so the mm-hmm. uh, the water blessed on Easter. 
you know, it's hard to do a hierarchy of holy waters, you know, but uh, the holy, <laughs> the water that's being blessed on Easter Sunday or on the Easter vigil has more significance because these are the, this is where the new life from the church is coming. These are the, where the, uh, the catechumens are going to be, you know, uh, going to be baptized through. And so that water mm-hmm. has a, a certain level of uh, um, importance throughout the whole Easter season, you know, because it was the water that was blessed. But uh, as far as like exorcism properties, I don't, I don't believe so. I'm trying to think back of the prayer. The prayer blessing of the holy water on Easter vigil is quite long. And I do not, mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I do not remember any prayers of um, protection from the evil one or exorcism types of prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if it ever was in the, you know? Uh, it could very way? well have been. I mean, Father Joel Hastings, who we had on our first segment, he's our liturgist of the diocese. He knows quite a bit of history on that. Uh, he would know mm-hmm. better than I, but... Uh, I'm not familiar with it. I'm not familiar with it, of it having happened, so no, I, okay. I'm just not familiar of it. Okay, um, okay. That's, that's fine. Thanks. Okay, Thanks, thank Paul. you very much. All right. Yep. God bless. Right. Thanks for listening. All right. We've had uh, this has been a great um, uh, segment so far. We got some other uh, people showing up here shortly, but you can call in at say eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or on Facebook. And you can submit your question that way. It can be on any topic. It doesn't just have to be religious, although our faith should touch everything, of course. So it would, in essence, become religious for that reason. But you can ask anything, as we had um, uh, um, other calls earlier about excommunication and so on and so forth. But uh, 877-795-0122. I should have timed that. It was real quick when we got our first question. That That might have been the quickest ever. That was very unusual. But, you know, I think this kind of area that we're talking about is such a... You know, with the excommunication, the things going on today, mm-hmm. it's people are wanting to know what they're supposed to do or how to, you know, we just yeah. need it's, I mean, guidance. For the first time in a generation, we have a Catholic president, you know, and so there's there's things that are going to be addressed that most of the people alive today have not had to deal with. All right. So we have Don from Cook, Minnesota. Don, welcome to Real Presence Live. What's your question? Hey, good morning. Um, I've got a question on the, the president's... Uh Abortion issue. Would he not have to go to confession and confess that he condoned abortion? And if he could not, if he not go back and fix the problem, what would be the priest's options as far as forgiveness or not forgiveness? Yeah, I mean that's the bigger. That thanks, Don. That the bigger question. I mean, I mean that 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 question is a very good question, but fits into a larger question in regards to um, uh, you know trying to. Uh, change our ways of sinfulness you know so when you go to confession and you do the act of contrition one of the aspects is that you're going to from now on i'm going to try and do better you're going to amend your ways and so you know you use the example of, of of biden going in and saying okay well what if he goes to confession but he has no intention to amend his ways in regards to his issues on abortion well then that is not it would not be a good confession because you have to have at least have the intent to try and change your ways. Unfortunately, I don't think President Biden is going to be going into confession confessing his abortion issue things. That's not going to happen. That's too hypothetical. It's just not going to happen. But the whole point is, is that when you when you go to confession, you, you are sorry for your sins and uh, you ask for forgiveness and you do your best to amend your ways to try and change. Now, we know we all sin and we all go back to our sinfulness. Sin by its nature is habit forming. And so it's difficult to, to break those uh, bad habits, but we have to at least try. And so that's that's um, uh, that's what we would say is a good um, uh, a good um, uh, uh, contrition. Does that make any sense, Don? If you're still there? Well, yes, it does. And I, I thank you for your uh, clarification on this. You guys have a great afternoon. 
Thank, Thank you. You, you, you too, too, Don. God bless. All right. That's, we've had a number of calls, a number of uh, submitted questions via Facebook, and let's keep that going. These are great calls. I think there's a lot of things that are on people's minds these days, and, and it's, good to, um, it's good to express those and air those, even if it's in a public forum like this. So it's 877-795-0122 or via Facebook page. And I just challenge everybody to, you know, take that initial reaction of what they want to do and just think about it for a while. Because some people just want to excommunicate. Right. But maybe just meditating on it and just thinking deeper about this and looking up scripture can probably help people to. Well, and you know what I I wrote in my bulletin ramblings, I always write something every week in the bulletin. And this past weekend, I talked about the the whole thing about, well, you know, for the first time in a generation, Mm -hmm. we have a Catholic president. And we already have enough things in our lives that, you know, we are bombarded all the times with, you know, unchristian or anti-Christian values. And as a priest, it's my job to say, okay, this is, you know, to my flock, this is what, <clears throat> what the church teaches as opposed to what you're hearing. Now, the way the media portrays the faith of our leaders, this adds a different challenge to us. Because there's going to be a whole lot of people out there that are going to hear, like, say, what a Catholic president is doing, this guy who goes to Mass every Sunday, what he's doing, and there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to say, well, that must be the Catholic thing then. It must be okay. And so it makes my job, and all priests and all bishops' jobs, more of a challenge because we have to say, you know what, no, even though our Catholic president is doing these things, that's not what the Church is teaching. You know, And we can think of the issues of, of life, but it, it goes to even deeper than that. It's not just life issues. Uh, you know, like, for example, I mean, if you feel like a, if you're a man, and you feel like a girl that day, you can go into the girl's bathroom. We get a problem with that, uh, you know, even from the faith perspective. And so it is incumbent upon anybody that has a pulpit, so to speak, to to address what is the church actually teaching. And and it's totally new. You know, again, I mean, the last Catholic president died in 1963, I think, 63. Uh, we haven't had we have we, we haven't had um, a. Not a lot of adults that are alive today remember it as adults back then. If they are, they're quite elderly. And so uh, uh, this is something new for us to try and find our way as, as shepherds of the church. It's like, how do, we, how do we navigate this man in the White House that goes to Mass every week in regards to church teaching? And how are we going to be a clear voice as to what the church authentically teaches? Yeah, because just because you say you're Catholic doesn't mean you're a practicing Catholic. Well, I mean, you know? yeah, well, I mean, that's, I mean that's, people like to label, but really, right. I mean... Well, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to split that here in regards to either. What what does it mean to be a practicing Catholic? But but anyhow, we can t- let's let's submit more questions if there are more questions. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or by Facebook page. And it doesn't look like anybody's on or waiting for right now. So, you know, I mean, maybe I will address what you were saying. So, a, a practicing Catholic traditionally we say it's somebody that goes to mass, right? Go to mass on Sundays, and we go to the Holy Days. That's traditionally what we say a practicing Catholic. But you can also question, like, well, is a practicing Catholic, what if somebody says, you know what, I don't believe in the Eucharist, but I'm still going to go to church. I don't believe what the church teaches in the Eucharist. Is that a practicing Catholic? I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know if I would An call that a practicing Catholic. Catholic. Just... Ill-informed Catholic. Ill-informed. <laughs> you know, it's like, the, and we go back to the abortion issue. I always, one of the analogies I use, is like, if you have a triangle and you put on an extra side to it, by nature, it's no longer a triangle. If it's got four sides, it's not a triangle. You can call it a triangle, but it's not one because it's got four sides. And so if you're a Catholic that says, you know what, I think abortion should be safe and legal and for everybody and there's no problem with it morally, you're a four-sided triangle. If you're a Catholic and you say, I don't believe in the Eucharist as the true presence of Christ, you're a four-sided triangle. You can call yourself that, 
but in reality, you believe your way into something different. You're writing so, your own scripture. Yeah. Really. Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're writing your own truths, and that's when we talk about, you know, I mean, you know, uh, relativism is what Pope Benedict XVI would have talked about. So but yeah, there's only one truth. One we've uh, we've had a, um, a a number of questions that have come in. This has been a banner segment for Straight Talk. <laughs> it which, uh, it's like I don't know. There's, our listeners were really alive, and like I said, I th- I do think it is because we live in crazy times right now, and we are faced with unique and in- interesting times facing the church. Because a lot of the government leaders in the, in the United States right now are Catholics. Like the real leaders are, and so how do we navigate those waters? But anyhow, yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Cindy? Um. Yeah, I think that it was. A good segment. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any questions? That, we're not taking any more calls. Uh, we're not we're taking any more. That's what I was reading. Sorry. Yeah. I was reading while you were talking. Um, no, I thought that was fantastic. We're kind of, we're dead air at the end of, that's good. No, it is good. That's good. And, and there's, you know, I just encourage, I really encourage the, um, uh, the listeners to, you know, to really get more engaged with, you know, Catholic media and, you know, Catholic news. There's a great organization called Catholic Vote. I don't know if you're oh, familiar with Catholic Vote. Oh, I've been getting posts from Yeah, so Catholic Vote is excellent. It really, um, uh, and it'll give you, a, if you sign up for it, and just go Catholic Vote, just Google that. If you sign up for it, um, uh, every day you get, except for Sundays, you get uh, basically a telling of the news from a Catholic perspective. And I have found that incredibly valuable, incredibly valuable. Uh, and so they don't just do it during election years. It's always Catholic Vote. So that would be one news source that I'd really encourage listeners that want to take, you know, what's the Catholic Church's teaching in regards to what's going on in the United States to sign up for Catholic Vote. Yeah, uh, and if you do that, mention my name because if you get, if I get ten people, I get a free coffee cup from Catholic Vote. So say Father Rich from Saint James told me to do it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, no, but I think that's good because you know if you are struggling with something that you don't believe that the Church should believe, you need to go ask. You need to mm-hmm. either call next month or. Find a priest. Oh, okay, we, we have, have one list. A really quick question: uh, What are your thoughts as why priests have been so reluctant to speak on moral issues from the pulpit? They shouldn't be. Thanks, Kevin, for the question. Priests should be very bold. That's why I always pray for our new bishop to be a courageous man. <laughs> and so uh, we need uh, we need to have our shepherds speak boldly as to what the teaching is, even even morally from the uh, the pr- pulpit. And so uh, we don't want weak priests. Okay, so anyhow, thanks a lot, uh, Kevin, for that uh, question. Been a great segment for um, uh, for Straight Talk, and uh, after the break, we'll be talking to one of the shepherds of uh, the local church here, the Bishop of the Diocese of Superior, right after our break. 